1: So uh, welcome back to another adventure with uh, Father Knows Something, episode 20. And uh, Justin and I ha- have our little trusted wonder dog, uh, Miss Holly. She's sleeping and she's going to snore because, you know, old people, we do crazy stuff. And I'm sure that Morgan's going to chase her out of here in a little bit because she will interrupt the uh, the sound. But right now, it's good to have her with us. A couple little mentions before we get started, kick it off. You know, it's, interesting that you guys, the the 97% of our audience is not people of my age. And that really goes to show you that the people of my age do our best to do things unconsciously to embarrass you guys. And where you, you guys just shake your heads and my parents, they are just gone. (laughs) So that being said, uh, this is an honor of I know that a lot of us have problems with our parents. I did, and I know sometimes you do, and that's why we kind of have these conversations. But you know, we're people too, so we sometimes get up and we can't find our socks. And this is in honor of the wrong sock day. So I have two <laughs> different, unmatching socks, so you can see, kind of telling the story. Uh, Dodgers, they're back in, they're back in season. There you go. Strikes over. Things are going well. We're we're going to kick it off. Justin's wearing Kansas for. I don't even know if he knows. Who Kansas is or what number four is. Maybe he does. Oh wow. He'll tell us, Do you know who number four is? Do you know what March Madness is? Uh yeah. Oh, that's basketball. March yeah. Madness Kansas. They what? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> See? Fathers are clueless. Forget know something. We are clueless. Let's 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 rock. All right. What do you think of these? Uh
2: bells. I love them. Well, and it's the wrong time of the year.
1: Uh it's Christmas bells. Yeah. Or just ring my bell. That's
2: all I got. <laughs> You know, I need look, help. I, I'm down to my last.
1: Uh, well, apparently we're going to, I think with people, they're going to start feeling sorry for you too. And they're going to send you socks. <laughs> so like, apparently you're going to have to say, father knows something, Justin, father knows something, Jerry, because otherwise I'm going to take them because if they don't identify Justin on the package, they're my socks. All right. So uh, we're ready. And uh, Holly, you want to say hi to everybody? Holly, are you alive?
3: Holly,
1: who's here? Whoa, uh, there she is. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone meet Holly. All right, go back to bed. Go <laughs> right back to bed. She just false alarmed you.
2: Okay. Okay. covering so bear with me okay as you can kind of i I hear it yeah did you did you have
1: your zinc today
2: no see
1: did you eat the zinc yesterday no no i'm doing my job again if they
2: don't listen oh well (laughs) okay first up hi jerry i need some advice i can't go to my parents for this so i figured i'd turn to my other favorite dad
1: i'm here for you that's it makes that makes my heart warm
2: My husband, 34 male, and I, 34 female, have been together for almost 10 years, married for five this April. Little backstory. We started off as friends with benefits, and then it got serious, so sex has been a big part of the beginning of the relationship. Mm -hmm. But there's so much more that I adore about him now. On and off throughout this relationship, I've caught him texting, flirting, and sexting with other women and men. We both identify as bi, pan, so the both-gender thing isn't shocking to me. Just a note. It's always behind my back. I can remember four times this has happened in our past that I've caught him, at least. Each time he swears he will stop, he seeks help for a bit, and then it happens again. Well, this is the fifth time. I've known for weeks something was up, he was secretive over his phone, being dodgy. Then last night, I woke up to him pleasuring himself while talking to some girl on Snapchat. I asked how long he had been on Snapchat, and he said a week. I call BS. I left the bedroom. He followed about 10 minutes later. Enough time for him to delete everything on his phone, I'm sure. He said he was sorry. I doubt that he was sorry I caught him. We talked. He said that the reason he's doing this is because I never want to have sex anymore. I don't deny this. I have a backslash leg injury I'm working through for the past few months, and I also had my fourth miscarriage in January. He made me feel like shit because I'm not giving him sex. He never really tried to initiate either. He claims he has, but no, he hasn't. This is always the way. When he's not getting sexual gratification from me, he seeks out others. I told him we are done. I can't do this anymore. Sex and sexual gratification is obviously something he needs in a relationship, and I cannot guarantee in my life I will always be able to give that to him. I've said porn is okay, even cam girls, but as soon as it's talking to someone, that crosses the line. I've said that to him in the past, so if I'm not fulfilling that need, which he obviously needs, then he should go find it elsewhere. He says he wants to work on this and he loves me. I don't know if I can. Moving out, divorcing, etc. is difficult as to where we currently live. 2,000 plus kilometers from family, friends, in a remote community. But I can't do this anymore. It kills me because everything else is so good. He's my best friend, my person, the only one I want to share my future with. But I keep pushing this under the rug and it hurts more and more each time. How do I move on? Do I move on? Do I stay and work it out? How do I pick myself up and move on from all of this?
1: Well, this is a a tough one. You really did go through the selection and and brought some up. Well, the the simple thing is he's got desire. He's got passion. And the fact that he doesn't, and I don't know if he feels the passion for you right now, or if you've just shut it down that he doesn't even attempt it because you know he's going to get stopped. So there's different emotional stuff. There's a lot of emotion that's going on between the two of you in the way you're communicating physically that maybe you guys should seek some assistance on a professional level and, and a therapist to talk about some of this stuff. There's dynamic here that we don't know really what's going on in his head. We just know that he is looking elsewhere. Right. And the fact that he is looking elsewhere, that is something that has to be identified by both of you. You as well. I mean, the fact that you may not be feeling it because of what happened with your miscarriages and and what's going on with the the physically that you're in pain, or I can't answer what could be addressed there. I have certainly have been in relationships where the woman I was with was truly uh, wanting of sex. It's important to her, and I've been uh, had tried relationships where the last thing on that person's mind was sex, at least sex with me and obviously they, they it, that had to go away cuz it was a strain in our relationship because you know typically sex is 10% of the relationship when you're in a balanced rela- relationship but 10% is 90% when you're not getting it sure <laughs> all of a sudden things get shut down things you you feel that you could be open about anything and you know you can't you said you know gee i think he was sorry the fact that you know he needed 10 10 minutes to go wipe out the stuff. He he was he was sorry that you caught him. Mm-hmm. Not what he was doing. Because he he was finding a way to function whatever he was doing. If it's having a a, a uh a virtual sexual re- encounter versus having a sexual encounter. There are people that get married, have healthy sexual relationships, better for worse, till death do us part. And the next thing you know is the person becomes incapacitated and they can't have sex anymore. What is this guy to do? You in the relationship? If they, if they tie every other way, look, I'm not saying that intimacy isn't important. Intimacy is very important and there's a lot of ego and a lot of shit that goes along in within this. But here's someone that she claims, I can't, ha- I, I don't want sex. There's all kinds of dynamics that goes on in these lives. No one has, you know, these, these these exact solutions. But here she is. If if you are prepared to walk away from your marriage and wake up in five, in five months from now and say, damn, I miss him. I want him in my bed, even though I know that we can't have sex or I don't want it. You may turn around and say, you do. I, I can't, only the future tells that they got to address what's really going on within them. And he's got to be a part of the solution that this is what I'm willing to do or together to say, look, we, we're going to have to make some, some dynamic changes if this is a long-term play. And this is the rest of my life. I've been in this situation in relationships and I'm not married to any of them. And I'm not together with any of them. And it wasn't fun it became to be a major weight in our relationship where sex was a consistent battle. It was 90% of the problem. And I know friends that have have done this too. It just didn't change.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, his actions aren't going to help her be very sexually willing. Mm-mm. No, because he's so, ta- he's taking it outside the house. And so maybe at this point, round five, this might be the time to start Considering moving forward,
1: yeah. If 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 they can't get on board together, that this is what their life is going to be, she's got to jump ship and say, "I'm not going to deal with this," and find something different. So I do say that we have a Patreon where we do have live, uh, you know, once a month where we have a live show. I would love for this woman to be the kind of person who would come on that live show where I can interact and I can ask questions mm-hmm. and we can talk and have a dialogue because it helps you come up with these answers on a more you know, right. realistic at time answer that we're not hypothesizing.
2: I, I think we find a lot with the, the write ins that if you get along in all of these ways, and even other stories that it's mm-hmm. not sex, but maybe it's other things, mm-hmm. it just, it puts you in this really tough position of everything feels perfect. And I've dated so many people. And no one was this close, but there's this one big thing:
1: is her uh, her discomfort with sex is it comp is it compounded with the fact that he has opened this door and she doesn't even want to touch him because he's had this you know interaction with other people and she right. says, "God, I'm turned off to this shit. I don't want to have him to touch me." Yep, that's another question. So there's different dynamic that a a counselor might be able to get through some of this stuff in a private arena. Yeah where but we can't give that answer here i
2: think the thing that's sticking out the most to me though is just when she said i've known for weeks something was up and that she had to basically wake up in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. because she has to constantly be on guard because Mm -hmm. her radar is going off that is not the way you can live That that is not the way you can go in a relationship and he's
1: not being transparent
2: and that just Like for me, that would color everything going forward. Even the first time, it would color everything. And then to be in a relationship where you have to constantly feel like you're on guard or, Mm -hmm. oh, I have to, if I just check this, I'll be able to catch them or prove that they're not doing anything.
1: Let me ask you a question. You have best friends. And if this was going on in your life with your best friend, you would tell your best friend... Yeah, I'm, I'm having this other relationship. I'm doing I'm seeking other places and I'm I'm online and I'm doing this crap. And you and your best friend would say, "Yeah, this is reality." So, if they really are best friends, he should be able to be transparent with her and not deal with this stuff. So, my answer is if they're not being transparent, there's other things going on in their life that it's not real. This is all fiction.
2: Right. So, and- to the last, I think we can segue into the last question. Sure. How do I pick myself up and move on?
1: Well, you have this dynamic, this conversation with them, and say, you are not being transparent. If you're not transparent with me, I need to move on. It has nothing to do with the sex. It has the fact that he's not being honest with you. Right. And he's not cluing you and being a part of it. My last relationship, I was pissed because the person couldn't be transparent with me. 99% transparent. There was one part that had no transparency. And I said... That 1% is becoming 99% of our problem. Right. And I'm out of here. Yep. And I, I walked out the door and I never, I never went back. Because that was not acceptable. Even as a friendship, it wasn't acceptable to me for the way it was impacting our relationship.
2: Yeah. Well, I know it's difficult with being many thousands of kilometers away from family and mm-hmm. close friends, but you can... You could go back, you could, you know, reestablish a, a circle where you are. I don't think these external factors can't be reasons to force you to stay in something you're like hating.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and as much as kids aren't the decision here, because if it's bad and you're not having the transparency, that's the failure. And you're not as close to the friends and bound the way you thought you were. And so the answer that we've really come up with through this is if it's not going to be transparent as a friendship, you're not doing it together. And there's, there's 1% of secrecy. You're out of there. Mm -hmm. That's the truth.
2: Yep. Okay. Okay. Next up. Okay. I think you'll like this one.
1: I like the last one too. It was tough,
2: but this one is different, whole different feel. Okay. A few months ago, roughly July last year, I received a call from a competing company offering me a job. I politely declined, told them I was pretty happy where I was at. Well, over the last few months, there seems to be a bit of a culture shift at my current job. I've been at this job for three years, so I know there's highs and lows to every job, but this doesn't feel like that. It's gotten to the point that it feels like my direct supervisor is almost forcing me out. I've tried discussing the issues, problems, I'm facing with my supervisor and he either dismisses me or degrades me. My current company actually did this same thing with a past coworker who recently quit. Her supervisors made her work life absolutely miserable for her until she just finally quit. The head of the company was even in on it. Now I'm seeing resemblance between what's starting to happen to myself and what happened to this coworker. I've been looking for other jobs, even had a few interviews, but nothing stuck yet. So my question is, Do I go back to this competing company and see if they would still be interested in hiring me? Or do I keep looking at other companies that aren't competitors? I know the position they called me about is still open and the chances of them hiring me are pretty high. I just don't want to burn bridges with my current company and current customers. P.S. Due to a recent merger, if I were to go to this competing company, I'm concerned that both my current company and even customers would find anything to drag my name through the mud. My job is very heavily based on reputation, networking, and keeping good working relationships.
1: You know, the most important thing to have in our professional career is integrity. That makes us who we are and makes, it, it makes us successful ultimately. I'm also a real believer when it comes to work, there's no permanence in our jobs today. Our job is until the guy above us wants to get rid of us or there is that merger. It is clear to me with all now, again, I could be wrong. I only go on my instincts of, of my life, mm-hmm. which I've been an employer. I've been employed. I've had, I've been around the block with all of this. And I have, and I started working in a professional in, environment as a kid that swept the broom in the company at, at the age of 13. So I've worked all my life in some of these situations. It is ringing in my head. They do not want to fire anybody because if they fire you, there there are penalties as far as their workmen's um, unemployment insurances and things that go up. They are going to beat the fuck out of you until you quit. That way they don't have to buy, buy you out. And it's strategic and it's shitty. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is that you have somebody that wants you and these people obviously you're not feeling the love that they want you that you there's nothing against your integrity to go make that phone call and see if they want you and that you're going to move forward. And yeah, they're going to they're trying to poach you cuz you have something to offer. And they have the ability of saying I want that. How you want to protect your information so you're not poached and then discarded. That's a different thing in your in your employment contract. And these are good questions for some labor lawyers to kind Mm -hmm. of give you some advice, at least not as to go after anybody to sue anybody, but just advice. How do I move forward? How do I do an employment contract to protect myself going forward? These are the conversations I might look at, but opening that door, there's no reason in the world you should not open that door because they were a a competing company.
2: Right. And I don't think if you're already getting the vibe that, your current employer is trying to push you out, I think they're not going to drag your name through the mud if you quit.
1: Well, when you quit and somebody drags your name through the mud, they have exposure. They have, I mean, look, your life's work is part of what makes you you. The mm-hmm. context that you have made and the relationships that you have made, you know, I don't know what your current employment contract says that, you know, bounds you from not, doing anything. That's something that you, again, you need to consult a labor right. relation lawyer that can be able to look at your contract. If there is a contract or some of the the stuff that's in your employment manual that you signed, I, I would imagine you signed an employment manual. You, you, they've been there for three years. You know, I had a business back in, you know, I started in 2000. So that's 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I had a, we had to put together a, an employment manual for sure. And I, and we had stuff in there. I didn't write it, but I do know that it was there. And, and even though I owned the business, I was an employee, of the, I had to sign the damn thing myself. It's interesting. Yeah. So I would uh, certainly suggest that uh, you open that door to see if the job is available to you. And number two, talk to an employment lawyer to see what you're allowed to bring over and what you do, because you may want to even say, look, I'm allowed to come over, but I integrity wise, I can't do this. I can certainly develop new new business and I can new relationships and I can right. do going forward. But always show your integrity because the important thing, if you're willing to turn, you know, state's evidence right over, they're gonna say, you know, this guy's got no backbone and he's gonna do it to us. So you got to be sure you you carry your integrity with you going to the next job. Right. So I'm gonna summarize one more time. Don't discount them as an employer going forward. It's be be find out the information before you walk in the door. What is expected of you, and also what you can bring over with you, without subjecting yourself to exposure with your former and a lawsuit sure. from your former employer.
2: One, so you're not you're not scared about going to the competitor.
1: Not at all. I'm I'm, I'm right on it. All right. In fact, I like I, that. I'm willing to drive them and what and, and open the door for them. <laughs> I like it. But I, but I do want him to, or her, whoever it is, to it the same male or female? Mm-mm. Whoever you are, I definitely believe you should talk to a, a human uh, resource lawyer, a, a labor lawyer, to make sure where you are so you know the answers. And you might have to consult with them for an hour or two just to bring your, your contract with you. For sure. Or whatever is expected. If there's no contract, there's going to be basically the laws governing that state that to make sure that you don't get yourself slammed with a, a lawsuit because lawsuits are a pain in the ass. Yeah. And when you quit, you may say, look to, to, to your current company, I'm, I'm leaving. I want you to sign this release because even though they're getting the benefit of you quitting, you're making them sign off on something that they, that they're not going to hold you. Right. They gave you a whole, a, a, a hold harmless, that they can't come after you for anything because the last thing you want going forward, even though if you leave is a litigation, it's a mutual departure. Right. And that's what I would look at.
2: Yeah, because their ideal outcome is finding a job that doesn't make me feel like I want to pull my hair out on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I love the customers I work with, but I need management that actually supports me.
1: You do need to consult someone that's going to be really knowledgeable within your state, right, wherever you are, because every state law is different, and to give you good, sound advice going forward to protect you. That's what they do. You're looking for the person to protect you so you are not put in a position where you have to defend. You sure. never want to have to defend.
2: Well, and even if it doesn't work out with the competitor, it still seems like you should probably move out of this current. Oh,
1: absolutely, yeah. They're phasing you out. Yeah, there's. I, I, have I, seen this so many times. So it doesn't affect their uh, their unemployment insurance. They want that's you. Right. To, they want you to quit, and they're being pigs about it. And it's, it's pretty fucked. So that's an invitation for you to say, "I got to get out of here."
2: It is interesting it's set up that way Mm -hmm. because then it forces them to almost, instead of just straight up firing a bunch of people, it's...
1: I mean, the the employment contracts today when you go to work are probably designed, if they're not, they should be because I look at it from both sides. I look at, it's it's the obligation of the, the employee to perform for the... For the company to help build it and not not that the companies are to you know to support them and then not to perform right so the it, it should be designed that you're going to come to work you're going to perform this is your expectation that i have of you and your expectation of me is to pay you but if you don't fulfill expectation one you don't quit you're not being fired you automatically resign
2: yeah and right. so
1: there's no being fired which protects the unemployment mill rate on insurance and you're gone. So you have to perform. It's interesting. Yeah. So give that thought. I hope I helped you. And do you have any other questions on this one?
2: That's all I got on there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Number three, let's go. Hi, Jerry. I am a 24 female currently dating 26 male. We have been together since October 2020, and our relationship is everything that I could ever dream of. He is kind, caring, loving, understanding, the list goes on. So the issue is with me. I had a two-year-long relationship before this, which is straight up toxic in every form you can think of. It started with cheating and then went ahead and got crazier. Now I keep having these doubts that how the hell is this such a peaceful relationship? How can he love me like this, and now has gradually grown into me thinking of scenarios on a daily basis on how is he going to leave me? This is growing on me, and I just want it to stop, or else I know I will lose him because of this constant fear. I have had other issues in the past due to my first relationship trauma, and I worked on it over time, still not the perfect human but a work in progress, but this doesn't seem to go at all. I really love him, and he has not given me any reason to think he was going to leave me. Please help. Also, I am from India, so therapy is pretty expensive to seek, and I have really no means of, to go for it as my income is very low.
1: So, you know, you are professing. Have you ever heard of the, you, I know it's, it, it's very strong in, in American culture. If you profess something, you're going to make it happen. You know, the first thing that came to my mind, you're in abuse, you're in a relationship that was shitty for two years. First thing that came to my mind is why did she stay there? And the answer is, you know, sometimes it's your own self-worth, your own self-respect for yourself, what you're willing to take. If you don't respect yourself, the next person won't. You've met this guy, you've built this relationship without any of this fear at first, and you were able to be you without all this baggage going on in your brain and self-destruction going on in your brain. So now you're bringing all this negativity into your, into your relation and professing that the, the, the failure of the relationship because it's too good to be true. There are self, there are self help books. There are so many resources for you to look at, and I'm not sure that everyone's going to be the right answer, but the more you look into that side Maybe you can get your way out of get yourself out of your own way because the only person that's in your way right now if, if you have a mirror hand go look in the mirror
2: yeah I mean I've definitely felt this before after I had my experience in my first relationship I just i I, I went into a period of like I'm not gonna date for a long time mm-hmm. and then of course I met Morgan but it's, it's very hard when you're soon out of a, a toxic relationship or coming off of being cheated on or mm-hmm. things like that for these thoughts not to take over your mind.
1: And it just takes the reinforcement sometimes of things just to go on. But you have we have to go forward in our life. We can't mm-hmm. let the past de- uh, uh, predicate what's going to happen going forward. Look, I've had great relationships in the past. I've had some things that... I wonder what happened to go awry and why it didn't work at the end of the day it wasn't meant to be we got to go forward onto the next one and you're in you're in a great experience right now
2: i think one of the best things um the best ways of thinking that i've had with this is make yourself ultra vulnerable again mm-hmm. just trust don't think about it and you just push any of those thoughts out of your mind if they ever happen. And I know it's very hard to do, especially with that PTSD Mm -hmm. of the former relationship. Mm -hmm. But if you can just kind of let it go and say, all right, I'm going to be vulnerable, whatever happens, happens, but I'm going to be in it to be in it. Mm -hmm. It will slowly start to fade. I think you can phase those things out.
1: I I have a family member very close to me and, uh, had a couple marriages. First marriage failed. Uh, second marriage was amazing. Truly in love with one another, and the sp- They got married, and the spouse passed away suddenly, natural causes. Absolutely devastated. My family member
2: mm-hmm.
1: didn't know how to get up in the morning. Now I would say that leaves an effect on you <laughs> for sure. Never sick, drop dead. And all of a sudden the universe brought someone new to, to their life and happiness again, flowers, whatever it is, it was a blooming new life. Got married, have a life together and all, All that person could think about, my life is so good, so wonderful. When's it going to crash down? Right. And there's so much energy going on with this family member. I can hear my mother's voice because my mother would say, point blank, shut up and enjoy it. And that's, that's, those are the words that are coming to my, shut up and enjoy it and live day to day in life as it is. Make the best of it and not worry about the, the dark side. Don't profess it. Let's go forward and let's be happy. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I got for
2: for her. I like it. I think that should be our first t-shirt. Okay. Shut up and enjoy it.
1: Shut up and enjoy it. Let's do it.
2: Okay. So do you remember the writer that was worried about moving away from her father? Because she was worried about him living on his own. Yes. And they were gonna move yeah, like but he waits away. Right. And
1: he worked every day. He still had a he still had a uh, a way of conducting his life. That's he, right. He had his own routine and he wasn't bugging anybody.
2: So this person is referencing that right in. Okay. Jerry. I watched a recent episode where a write-in talked about being worried for her father because she was moving away to be with a long distance boyfriend. Mm-hmm. A lot of what you said was really great advice, so I'd love to see if you had any more for my situation. My grandparents have been married for 62 years. They are both in their 80s and live two hours away from all of us. My grandfather sustained a head injury when he was in his working years. I believe that has only caused more issues with his recent diagnosis of Alzheimer's. It seems as though it has progressed way faster than it did with my great-grandma. My grandma has recently been very distraught over the past several years in her and his relationship because she has found him watching porn. She's very old school and just thinks it's the worst thing he could possibly do. She now has this mindset that she's not good enough, that she's old and undesirable to him. We have tried to console her many times about this, but it never lasts long. They both have thrown around the thoughts of them getting a divorce But when it comes down to it, they both love each other and would never do that. Between my grandpa and his Alzheimer's and my grandma's mental health decreasing as well, we really want them to move closer to us. It's so hard to be there for them when they are isolated from the whole family. It is a whole day trip just to go visit with them. When asked if that is something they would want to do, they both close up and say no. I can understand this because they built their house they are living in currently, as their forever home. And it's loaded down with so much stuff. We tell them that there would be no worries we would hire a moving company and get the whole family involved. They would not have to do any of the heavy lifting of the moving process. I just worry about them leaving their few good friends behind. I'm not sure my grandma's mental health could handle that. I don't know what the magic answer is for this one. We can't force them unwillingly to move. But they also have stated that they don't want anyone hired to take care of them. My mom is still three years out before retirement. My aunt is in bad health and my uncle is still working. So it's not like they can drop everything and move in with them. With the other write-in, Jerry mentioned having a camera to watch over the mother. But I don't feel like that would have any benefits in this situation. What in the world can we do? Well, I'm going to
1: start by this. Every situation, as much as you think it's a cookie cutter, it is not. Right. It's just everything. Everything has a different dynamic. You're the grandchild. Your parents have a lot to, and I don't know if the parents have siblings. A lot of people have 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 input here. You know, the fact that your grandfather is losing his mind, and he's, he's he certainly has a sexual appetite, at least to look or go back and gander. I can't relate to that personally, what, what it is to have those feelings and and that need. So that being said, I can only go by an experience that I had an aunt that was well in her 80s. And her husband had passed away from Mr. Michael died at the age of like, you know, 55 of a stroke. And so she had years by herself. And she met another guy at a at, at temple. And he was also well in his 80s. And the next thing you know, is they you know they're hanging out together, and and I hear that you know many here's the word many many and Irving get married, and 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 I'm thinking about my aunt having sex, and all I all I hear is when my mother was talking about it, he goes, Minnie's mad because Irving wants to have sex and she doesn't want to have sex, <laughs> you know. And the next thing I know is Irving and Minnie are getting divorced. Oh, they, were, no. they were together for you know for th- three months because he couldn't get you know, he couldn't. Oh no, I guess he thought if he got married he would get it and. And I'm going thinking to myself, you know, I don't know what an 85 year old guy wants. I'm a 65 you know, year old you know guy and we're 64. And yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say I don't want sex, but it certainly doesn't rule my life. And I'm and hanging in the world of porn. You know, I used to, uh, you know, watch porn 24 seven. I mean, you guys walked in, you know, thousand years ago, like, oh. <laughs> but that's not a part of my life either. So I can't relate to that. But obviously there's something that that is in his brain in that wire that's connecting to it. And as for your grandmother and and her, and this, you know, the fact of going to them and saying, gee, we're gonna, we want to get out of the house. It's, you know, let's make your life easier to deal with. And you find a way that they can have their own independence because obviously they both want their independence. They're not going to lose their independence because they're still too cogn- cognitive of that and say, look, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to be closer to you we're not going to be on your doorstep every day, just disturbing you. Look, they don't want to disturb you and you don't want to disturb them, but you obviously want to be in a position where things are going to get easier as they are going into the, these tranquil days of, of change. Mm -hmm. And so I certainly say you have to have them on board, at least your grandmother, because your grandfather is in and out of it. And that might, when the days he's in helps, but again, he's not, Elusive enough consistently to make to conduct himself without all this. So I I think your idea of moving them closer to you, if they're willing to do it, is is your challenge. And I would certainly make sure that if your mother is an only child, that she's a part of it, and if she has siblings, that the siblings wise everyone's on the same page. Because this is where if you don't work as a family together, there is going to be disruption, huge disruption.
2: But what if, I mean, what if you're dealing with a situation where they're going to start seriously needing help and they still don't want to, we have a, uh, a raised hand in the audience? Yes, audience.
3: I think with the porn, the grandpa and his cognitive decline, mm-hmm. those behaviors might become worse. Mm-hmm. Typically what I've seen, if people with dementia or any type of like cognitive issues, um, you can also see this after a TBI. But sometimes they resort to very inappropriate behaviors. And so I think with, you know, the way that some people's brains deteriorate, Mm -hmm. they become very inappropriate or resort to childlike behaviors or just very sexually driven behaviors. It's just dysfunction in the brain and the way that the brain is deteriorating and so I've seen some people where it es- its escalates from just watching porn or whatever to touching themselves in front of other people and things like that so I think the behavior is potentially going to escalate but it's just something where it's not so much your grandpa it's your grandpa because of the way his brain's deteriorating and that might be something to talk to the grandma about and be like grandma he loves you but because of his Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and the way that his brain is now deteriorating, this is just a behavior that's coming out that's not necessarily him. And so...
1: That's really a good healthy thing for her to do.
3: Yeah. And I think that's really the case a lot of times with TBIs too. There's stages that people, you know, end up with after a TBI. It's the um, rancho levels, we call them. And there's certain stages. It's, you know, confused and agitated or... Um, appropriately confused they're appropriate in their behaviors mm-hmm. but just overall confused and then there's um inappropriate confused agitated there's many different levels and so there's stages like that with dementia and different dementia scales as well and you know as people progress through the process of the disease they exhibit behaviors that they typically wouldn't mm-hmm. and aren't necessarily them and it's just unfortunately well, the process da- of daughter the disease. knows something but as far as moving them, I will say aging in place is a very, very important thing for a lot of seniors. And you will also, a lot of times and from cases I've dealt with, you'll see people when they're moved from their homes, their decline happens that much quicker. I see. Their, their context and their environment is helping them stay aware they could work with an OT to make the home safer. There's certain adaptions you can make in the home to make it safer technology you can add, but I think having a daily caregiver coming in check would Mm -hmm. be a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, whether that's family that's in the area or you actually hire someone, but, um,
1: so this is right in your wheelhouse. This is Uh, my wheelhouse. This is the wheelhouse of the profession of, of, of Of OT. So when they're looking for someone, they are really looking for an OT.
3: Yeah. They could definitely find an OT, one that's very familiar with Alzheimer's, aging in place, environmental adaptations to make their home safer. But yeah, this is OT. I was sitting back there. I'm like,
2: <laughs> well, this isn't, as you could tell, this is not my wheelhouse. So they stated they don't want anyone hired to take care of them. So maybe the specialist or maybe the family coming together, what we're trying to convince them of, maybe is not moving because mm-hmm. I agree with what you said. It might quicken the decline yeah so maybe it's convincing them that we can hire some care to take care of them maybe that's the better option than picking them up and moving them closer
3: yeah and I think you don't even have to word it as like oh this is a caregiver I think when you know my grandma's very prideful. If I was going through this with my grandma, she would be like, "Fuck off, Morgan. I don't need someone to wipe my ass." And I think that might be the thought that they're thinking when their family's saying caregiver, mm-hmm. "Oh, we need you need to be taken care of." And it's like, no. Try to f- just phrase it as, "Hey, we're gonna have someone just pop by if you need help with errands, cooking. Let's let's make your lives easier. Just like a task rabbit type person that they can come in, knock out some cleaning, knock out some chores, pick up your groceries." They're here to just make your life easier, Grandma, not take care of you. So tell them what you need and just let them pop by and pop their head in and bring you a casserole or bring you groceries. Well, and they'll
2: also know if something's wrong.
3: Exactly. It's more of just like a check-in because Grandma seems like she's still okay. As Grandpa progresses in his disease, she might need more help, and maybe she'll recognize that when the time has come. It probably hasn't come yet, and so right now, just for everyone's peace of mind – how can we do regular check-ins and facilitate that? You'd have an OT come in and consult, come up with like a plan of care, do environmental adaptations. This person that would that I'm speaking of is a caregiver, but just kind of facilitates that check-in role. An OT would be overqualified to do regular check-ins okay. like that, unless okay. they're providing actual therapeutic services. Okay. So two different things. I think both are great, but as far as a more regular basis, I would do some sort of caregiver they're they don't have to be licensed it, you know you can easily well, find them and they just come check in regularly
1: well i would say i'm a lucky guy and we're lucky that we had a someone in the audience that had knowledge
2: in our vast audience in
1: our vast audience <laughs>
2: <laughs> well i hope i'm watching porn at 85 <laughs> <laughs> okay that was very good all right Hi Jerry, big fan of yours and Morgan's podcasts and listening always feels like I was just chatting with friends. I have a weird situation I would love your thoughts on. Sure. I will try and keep it as short as possible. So sorry in advance if it's long for context, I deal with a few chronic illnesses. One I've been dealing with since I was 14 and I am now female 25 It definitely was and is a big part of my life, but I have found ways to mostly manage it and live a pretty normal life. This past summer, July 2021, I developed new symptoms, and after lots of doctor's appointments, I finally got some answers. I'm dealing with dysautonomia, which is dysfunction of the nerves that regulate involuntary body functions such as heart rate, breathing, and digestion. At least that's what Google says, LOL. I have good days and bad days, but my symptoms have really interfered with my daily life, and I have had to make so many adjustments.
1: I would imagine.
2: I've had to say no to trips, family events, cancel my gym membership, change my job, etc. I'm in no way trying to trauma dump, just stating the reality of the situation. Luckily, I have an amazing care team helping me feel like myself again including my awesome therapist. Shout out Morgan. I'm feeling hopeful and know I'm headed in the right direction. Unfortunately, when things got really bad in the late fall, I kind of fell off the face of the earth. And this is where I need your advice. I was dealing with so many people in my life asking me constantly how I was feeling, telling me to try keto or saying they know someone's cousin who has something similar. I know they meant well, and I'm just so grateful for an awesome support system, but being sick is exhausting enough, and I just needed some space. I tried to communicate this, but I know I didn't do a great job. Now that I'm feeling a bit better, slash know how to manage a bit better, I can do things like go to dinner. I just feel guilty for popping back into people's lives. I was also the go-to friend for helping with things like moving, Watching your pet, or even having long therapy talks. But now I just can't reliably show up for anyone because my bad days are unpredictable. Most of my friends are more than understanding and are just glad I'm okay, but I still feel so bad. It feels like I just woke up from a dream where absolutely nothing has happened in my life since November 2021, and everyone else has lived a whole lifetime. I know this is a bit different than your normal topics but I think this could help potentially other chronically ill people. And I would love your perspective on the topic. And if I was your friend, how you'd feel about this situation?
1: Certainly you are in a place that I've never experienced. Uh, I'll begin with that. But I will tell you, my first thing is you got to go day by day. And your friends who are your friends, if they don't know it's day by day, I, I can't imagine them not to know it's day by day and to have to explain consistently to everybody is is enough to say the least. yeah, I think that just the pure honesty to them saying, look, I appreciate it. I am seeing experts i I do consistently you know seek out people that are are knowledgeable in this very, very unique disease and just trust me i it's my life i'm I'm doing the best I can. I just want to enjoy you today for what the time we're spending together. And I think that's the dialogue and they'll get it quickly. Yeah. And just do what you can. The days you can get out of bed and you can go spend the day with them, go enjoy just point blank. I'm getting out of bed today. I'm going to enjoy you. And I don't want to hear about this other crap. I want to get away from it. I need a vacation from it. Let's go do it. Yeah. And that's, I think the best way you can, that I would expect anyone that's my friend, to tell me, and then I'm going to enjoy them for what they what they have to offer. I, I, I heard a very touching um, 50th birthday today that was on videotape. It moved me, and I called one of my friends up, and I said, I just want you to know that if that ever happened to me, I would want you at that party. And it was somebody that was given bad news uh, seven years ago, that he shouldn't be he shouldn't last more than five years, and he thought when he when he heard that story, his answer was, "I just want to make it to my fiftieth birthday." Wow! And he he not only got to his fiftieth, he's he's healthy, he's and he had the people that are most important to him at the birthday. Not that he'd be the star of the birthday, but he'd be surrounded with the people who he loved and who were his friends, and who he wants to grow up. He wants them to be with him for the rest of whatever life he has, and it might be twenty years, it might be a hundred years, whatever it is. Yeah, these are the people I want to have in my life for those years. And it was a beautiful story, and it was a great party. So, just tell your friends, I want you. Whatever my life is, it's not all of it's going to be easy. I'm going to have some childs. I'm hopefully I'm going to find some better, better solutions to the problem. Medi- I hope medicine as it's a practice. People will come up with things, what this is, since it is rare Mm -hmm. and we'll get through it. But long as I'm here, let's enjoy each other. Yeah. The the days that I can enjoy, I want to enjoy. Yeah. You know, you and I don't know how the, how this disease affects her. I can tell you, I can't say about you. There's no, there's, I can't fathom the, what it is and and how it affects her. I just Mm -hmm. know that it affects her. Yeah. So that being said, you just got to live day to day, day by day, and enjoy the days that are good, the best you can, and be as productive as you can because the more productive you are, the more you feel you feel accomplished and you feel right. You feel a part, you feel a part of the game.
2: Well, I don't think you need to feel bad. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I know you say you still feel so bad, but you're, you, you're, you know your friends are understanding. Mm-hmm. And as a friend in this position, like you said in the beginning, I would 100% understand. I'd be grateful for any time that I could have with you, and I wouldn't be disappointed if you weren't able to be there for me one day or if, I, or if you had to cancel something.
1: And how would you feel if I was a friend that didn't understand?
2: Well, that's not a true friend. Well, there you go. Problem so, solved. So I, I just think I don't think you need to feel so bad, and I think just enjoy the time with these people and don't maybe don't overthink your time with them just they're gonna enjoy it as much as you are enjoying it absolutely
1: absolutely we wish we we do wish you uh ease of health and to and a good quality of life and 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 that you find the right people to help you get through whatever you're getting through and deal with it the best possible way i our hearts go for you and and we, uh, I do say prayers for people and it's called it Misha Berch and we put you on the list for sure.
2: Okay, that's where we're ending today.
1: So I want to thank you all for joining us and we look forward to you joining us again next week and please subscribe and, and also send some of these to your friends and see during their drive time if they can pick up on it as well for and sure. subscribe. So have a great week.